Welcome to this episode of the Network Marketing Heroes Podcast, hosted by 38-year network marketing veteran, author of best-selling books, The Four-Year Career, and Mach 2 with Your Hair on Fire, and world-renowned speaker, Richard Blissbrook. Stay tuned after this episode for an exclusive discount code to get 10% off Richard's tools on blissbusiness.com. Let me tell you a little bit about our guest tonight, Gordon Frazier. He is a top leader in the company Arbonne. One of the things you'll find about Hero Calls is we don't hide companies. We're actually proud of who we represent. And so this isn't an advertisement for Arbonne because everybody on this call is in a company. And I expect they're happy and engaged with that company. Uh, this is just totally transparent. We, we don't like to interview people and then, you know, hide what company they're in because it, it just doesn't allow people to connect with the story. So one of the things I find fascinating about Gordon's story is here is a man who's building an empire in a skincare company, which is historically dominated in its leadership by women. And because of the product line, you would think it's a women's business. So we're going to talk to Gordon a little bit about, you know, how he sees his role as a man in a skincare business. First, let me start by telling you uh, a little bit about where this guy comes from and what he's accomplished. And then I'll get into asking him to, to tell his side of the story. So Gordon uh, lives in the U.K., in London, plus he lives in Southern California. He just made a move to Southern California, so he's kind of bi-coastal uh, in that sense. He got involved in January of 2008. Arbonne is his first and only network marketing organization. He came from corporate America, uh, working at one of the uh, software companies that uh, protects against viruses on your computer. And one of the things that Gordon originally recognized and saw as a possibility for himself building an empire network marketing is the opportunity to bring some of the things that he learned in corporate America about strategy and business plans and professionalism and a structure for learning and su success. So he brought that into his Arbonne business and really treated it like a business. And I know all of you have heard you know, one of the great epiphanies that people have in our profession is when they cross over that line where they quit dabbling with it, they quit playing around with it, they quit using hope as a strategy, and they actually treat it like a business, both with investment of time and money and professionalism, they start to see those kind of results. So in January of 2008, uh, he got started, and here's what happened. He became the first male regional vice president in the company's international markets, the first to promote um, in England. Twelve months later, he became the first national vice president in the company's international market and the first to promote in England, receiving the company's top sponsor award twice along the way. He's also a Spirit of His Company award winner, national vice president challenge trip winner, multiple trip winners, incentive trip winners, and for the past six and a half years, he's qualified for the company to pay for his brand new white Mercedes. So I bring you Mr. Gordon Frazier. Gordon, are you there? I'm there. I'm, I'm so disappointed you forgot to say about my Nobel Peace Prize. Let me, uh, where, uh, and he is, he didn't actually win it, but he was nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize for his ambassadorship of entrepreneurism in the United Kingdom. I'm sorry I left that out, Gordon. And for, maybe for network one these, marketing. One of these future years, perhaps, Gordon, you'll actually win the Nobel Prize for that. So 
thank you for joining us. I know it is now nine minutes after 2 a.m. in London. And uh, given that you've always worked your Arbonne business part-time, which I expect you will tell people a little bit about that commitment and that strategy, uh, we're probably digging into your part-time effort here. So I'm going to start by asking you, Gordon, to tell these people, in your words, your story, and I'm going to guide you in that, in that I want you to tell them how you first heard about Arbonne. Who introduced you to it? How did you know them? What did they say that piqued your interest? And what vision did you see for yourself that had you jump in? I know that's a lot, but tell people a story around that. Okay, so um, I heard about uh, the company I'm with pre-launch. So I I knew it was coming to the UK in uh, mid-2007. And um, the lady who introduced uh, me to Arbonne was a a very old friend, like a long-term friend, family friend. And um, in fact, um, I knew her um, when I was uh, 16 years old. And um, I've been working, always worked. And um, I was working as a waiter in a country club. And she was a member and would come in regularly. And um, so we met when I was 16. And um, I'm now 41. And I've been in Arbonne for seven years, so you can work out the math. So the opportunity came to me through a very trusted source, uh, indeed. And, um, and my friend was actually very successful um, as a charity fundraiser and was married to um, a well-known broadcaster, journalist, and uh, business owner who was part... Uh, I'm Scottish as well, you can probably tell from the accent. Um, who <laughs> They were part of what I would call the Glasgow Establishment. So um, an, an impeccable source, people who I trusted very well, um, came to me with the opportunity, and um, you know it was a flat no from me. Um, um, I, I had heard of network marketing. I had no knowledge of it. I hadn't done any due diligence, but um, I, I just I, a knee-jerk reaction was no, it's not for me, and um, and that was really how it was for six months. Um, and she was quietly. Uh, persistent with me and uh, sometimes your friends know what's best for you uh, more than you do if your head's in the sand um, but it was a definite no and um, that what it turned around wasn't actually what she said it was more of what happened in the economy so um, I um, had given up corporate I was working to um, successfully uh, with a, a very significant income uh, six-figure income when I was working in corporate and um, I had been fortunate enough to walk away from my corporate job some years before, and I'd retrained and gone into um, acting and um, and production. So that was where my 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 focus was. And my partner was in property development, so we had a really really good life. And and so I was that there was money there, and also there was a vocation. So I really wasn't looking for anything else, and I certainly wasn't looking for a network marketing company. And if I was going to work, if I had to go back to work, it probably would be back into a corporate role um, because that's where my, my background is and my knowledge. So I wasn't looking for this. So it was a flat no. But what happened at the end of 2007 was, was a couple of banks disappeared. And uh, the real estate market was not what it once was. And it was really at that point where it looked like there was a, a cash flow 
issue coming into my life. And um, I don't know how many wealthy actors you know. Um, but <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And I was, um, the, the conversation I had with my partner was, well, what are you going to do to contribute more to the bottom line? And well, the, the answers will, to, to meet the demands of the mortgages and the overheads that we had, had to be a significant option. So I, um, I looked around and looked for options for myself, and I was um, you know, welcomed. I was given options to go back into corporate. But the pain of going back to corporate after a number of years of, of freedom, free from the golden handcuffs, for the income they were offering me, I knew that I was not going to be able to do it part-time. It would be 40, if not 60 hours per week. And the pain of going back to corporate was higher than looking for another opportunity. So it was really in that moment of a crisis, uh, there was no one kind of beating a path to my door, offering me opportunities to change my life, except my friend Caroline with Arbonne. So it was in that instant where the pain of going back to corporate was higher than starting my network marketing business. I suddenly got very passionate about lipstick, Richard. Okay, so tell me this. What did Caroline, how did Caroline follow up with you in that six-month period? How often did you hear from her, and what did she say during that six months? Well, it was regular contact because we were friends, and, um, but she wasn't throwing up the company on top of me. So I never felt um, like, uh, and I was always interested in what she was doing. So I was a good friend. Um, the company was launching in, in England more than in Scotland where she lived. So she was often coming down to business, business events. Now, I'm not sure whether or not that was part of her strategy to get me on board or not, thinking about <laughs> it now. But she definitely came down a lot and she would stay with me. I would pick her up from the airport and drop her off at our uh, Arbonne events, but I never went into them. I always stayed outside until the opportunity was over. <laughs> I honestly picked her up um, afterwards. Even when Arbonne launched in the UK, she invited me along. I said, I'll meet you afterwards. I'm no way am I going in there. And um, so we kind of like, avoided uh, uh, hearing about the opportunity formally, but I knew about it you know, uh, uh, by just asking about how her business was going sort of thing. Um, I was introduced to the products when I went to visit her, and I stayed, I stayed the, uh, I was in her guest room. And uh, have you ever seen that movie Carrie? Yes. And uh, at the end of it, you know, she comes home after the prom, and the mother's got candles everywhere. You know the scene? Yes. Well, when I went into the, um, the guest bedroom to, you know, get into bed, it was kind of like that, except there was products everywhere. <laughs> I love it. I couldn't actually get to the bed because there was products everywhere. So I thought, <laughs> I guess she wants me to try this stuff. So, um, of course, we all know that network marketing products are of a higher quality than what you uh, typically get in department store and retail. So, uh, it was obviously, at that point, I knew you know, the product was very, very good, but I still wasn't in the mindset of doing the business. But that's how I got introduced to the product. And, um, and she was just, uh, just quietly, consistently dropping an Arbonne, kind of um, uh, as part of uh, our, our, our kind of friendship. And it kind of just, it was like osmosis that grew up, it grew um, on me. And how I, how I actually joined her, I just quietly signed up. When I had decided it was something I was going to do, I basically signed up and I called her and I said I'd done it. And she was quite shocked. And... Um, <laughs> 
seriously, because I was, I was like, I would rather stick pins in my eyes than do this. Was really my um, my point of view to that point. And um, but anyway, um, I did. But when I did join, I was very serious that this had to be a real opportunity, a real opportunity. And I know you can make all sorts of different money based on your skills and your effort. Um, I had no time for a hobby personally. I, I was a man on a mission. I had a fixed goal. I treated it as a business, and um, I had a number in my mind that I'd worked out that I needed to make by a certain time to keep my head above water. So I, I think sometimes for me, my I work, always work best when my back's against the wall or I'm cornered. So and I felt very much like that in, in, at that point in my life. So it really was a godsend, although I didn't appreciate it at the time. But um, once I got started, uh, it was just extraordinary. It's been um, it's been really the best times of my life, and I've had consistent growth since since I joined in January. It's been amazing. I love it, love it, and I can't. I mean, this is me eating my hat here because yeah. it was something I certainly wasn't doing. So uh, I'm going to tell everybody. Uh, you know, I have uh, each of my heroes fill out a questionnaire on their statistics. So I'm going to tell you some of Gordon's statistics about what he's accomplished on a part-time basis in the last seven years. So one of the questions I ask um, is how many people you personally sponsored in your first 90 days, and Gordon's answer to that was nine new consultants, and I'm going to have him talk about the first 90 days a little bit and how important that is. And then I asked him how many in the first year, and his answer was 25. Given the size of his business, I'm going to tell you that those stats are low for most people, which means Gordon most likely has extraordinary leadership and motivational skills, and he did a lot with a little. I would say in most cases, people that have the size of business that he has would have doubled those numbers, more like 15 to 20 in the first 90 days and at least 50 in the first year. But I also asked Gordon how many people he sponsored the second year, and he said he lost track, lost track the third year and the fourth year. But uh, perhaps the more important number from a geometric progression standpoint, and this is a part of our business that is really important for people to learn to believe in. You know, in the beginning, the analogy that we use in the four-year career is like pushing a car over a hill. And until you get that car over the hill, I mean, it just takes an extraordinary amount of effort just to keep it moving, even if it's moving slowly. And if you ever stop, obviously what happens is the car stops and then it moves, starts moving backwards and, and runs you over. And the same thing happens in network marketing. If you start and stop and start and stop, you really end up having to rebuild every time because most of whatever you've created tends to vanish but once you get the car over the hill, once you hit critical mass, which I think is different for every leader in every company, but generally might be somewhere around 500 to 800 people in your group and at least a couple of leadership groups, things just start to take off. And here's where Gordon is seven years later. He has 28,000 people in his business. Now, a lot of those are customers. A lot of those are distributors that are inactive. Uh, he's, he figures he has about 2,000 active distributors in his business. 
And that's a business that's doing between two and three million a month in business. And you can probably figure out, even conservatively, what kind of residual income that provides him. So those are extraordinary uh, statistics, Gordon. Congratulations on that. Would you speak to the group about how you went about your first 90 days? From your standpoint, did you start fast? Did you start slow? Did you struggle? What happened in that first 90 days? And then, you know, if you had it to do over again and you were coaching people, what would you tell them about the first 90 days? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, thank you uh, for that question. I um, personal, I, I, from a point of view of the biz, of our bond and our compensation plan, I probably moved quite quickly. Um, but I personally don't feel that I did move quickly. Um, this is purely because of my background in um, corporate sales and account management. So um, I've always been set targets, and um, at McAfee I had a multi-million uh, pound dollar target. And when you're looking for a tar- the targets that we have in network marketing, they're not they're not, in my opinion, as large for your for what you have to do personally. Um, prior to working in IT, I was in advertising sales, where we are required to have a high productivity. But m- my success in in Arbonne was very much in my ability to convert people into the business quite quickly. So I had a, always had a very good conversion rate, and that's why I, don't, I haven't sponsored millions of people, is because um, I, anyone that I speak to, I'm really committing to them 100%, and I want them to succeed. And my commitment is for long-term learning and a long-term career with whoever I'm starting. So, um, and, and so in my first 90 days, and remember, when I did start in January 2008, I was part of, a, of the, the pioneer, I guess they call it pioneers now, because the, com- the company had just launched. So there was, no, um, there was no history of success. So you could look at that as a glass half full or a glass half empty. And I chose to look at it as a glass half full. I looked at the opportunity and thought, this is amazing, um, and, and run with it. But there was no method or blueprint or system for success in, in place. There was no evidence that this business would work, um, et cetera, et cetera. So it really was kind of like a, a try it and see. And we didn't know quite what was going to work um, in the market so, um, so I'm kind of going around. That's why I'm saying I didn't feel I moved as fast as I could have done, but that was because I was working in a new market and we were experimenting and understanding how systems work. But we did very much build our business in those early days based on the opportunity uh, by share, sharing the product, of course, but um, we were really focused on the business opportunity. And so we were attracting um, uh, focused uh, business type minds into the business very much and we were um, use it, we were sponsoring up so we're looking for people who are better than ourselves um, to, uh, that's who we were looking to attract into the business so uh, within the first 90 days it was, it was like our, the percentage time I had so I, had, I did have to take a job so I was working um, full time on a consultancy basis for a company a training company so that was taking out a block of my time. 
So I, all I had was mornings, lunchtimes, evenings, and weekends to build my Arbonne business and for the first three to four months. So I was able to give between 10 and 15 hours per week to my business for the first three months. And, um, and so within that time frame um, uh, and then that schedule, I built my business. So I had to be really organized. I had to be really structured. I had to be on purpose, focused, and clear on my goals, my desires, um, where I saw myself at the end of those 90 days. So my goal was to get to the first level of success within the company in my first month. Now, that was quite challenging because I started on the 28th of the month. So I had... <laughs> you know what I mean? But the, the way I looked at it, Richard, is um, the comp- any company, whatever network marketing company you're with, the company provides a compensation plan. And it has a guideline that tells you how many months you can get to whichever levels and depending on what levels you've got in the company. For us, there are four levels. There's a district manager, an area manager, regional vice president, and national vice president. And it can take one, two, three months um, to get to each level. And when I read the compensation plan, of course, I didn't know any better. You know, I'm from a corporate background. I'm I'm like a trained monkey in that respect. It's like... You point me in the right direction. If you tell me that's what you do, that's, what I, that's the result I'm going to go aim for. So I'm thinking if you can get to the first level in one or two or three months, well, let's just say I can, one would be ideal, but let's do it in two because that looks like the average. I mean, I'm basing this on myself, not on anyone else's results, just based on what I think I can do. So I figured that I can get to the first level in two months, the second level in four months, the third level in six months, and by month eight, I should be at the top of the company. So my expectations on myself and the possibilities and the potential with this company were huge. So um, I was building with a bigger picture. And I was build, I was, when I spoke to people, I spoke to them with a vision for the future. And I had no success. I mean, I, I hadn't even earned up. I think my first paycheck was $8 or £8 or something like that. I had no success, but I had a huge vision for what was possible. And I was telling people to join me because I knew how the, this was all going to pan out. And they had to follow me as a leader because I knew how this business grew. And I, had, and I was part of an extraordinary upline of success, which was in the U- U.S., which we could pull on for, for um, experience and, and inspiration. So within that first 90 days, I would say 80% of my time was spent prospecting. That was telephone calls, that was one-to-ones, and that was business opportunity, like group presentations. So within the first 30 days of starting, I had done four launches with a minimum of 12 people at every launch. And my goal was to convert at least... Um, Eight, 20% of them into business partners, and then um, 50%, I would probably, would probably say no, which would leave me maybe four people buying the product. So I wanted to get a balance um, in retail sales, product sales, to business partners joining me. And I figured if I did enough of that activity um, up front, I would be able, with my conversion rate, I should be able to get my leaders within the first one, two, or three months. And that's ultimately what I did. So I've been very fortunate in the um, to well in my first six months of building the business, I actually found my key leaders, and because I was so focused on training and coaching and putting together a framework and a blueprint for success in terms of knowledge and leadership, 
with a progressive ongoing um, plan, um, people have stuck with me. So I, I've, I have, I, most of the people who've joined my business over the last few years are still in it to a greater or lesser degree. That's beautiful. So one of the stats, uh, Gordon, that um, is really remarkable that defies uh, the odds for just the general successful leadership in network marketing is uh, one of the questions I ask everybody is, okay, out of all of this, how many leadership legs do you have? And here's how I define a leadership leg, ladies and gentlemen. It would be like if you personally sponsored 100 people, how many actual, how many of those people ended up with a business that is growing today? And it's growing because somewhere in that leg, perhaps not the person you sponsored, perhaps second level, third level, fourth level, there's a leader. And that leader has a Gordon-like vision, a Gordon-like conviction, and is driving the leg by supporting other people to achieve their goals. That's the definition of a leadership leg. Another way to look at it is if you retired or if you had to take a year off to support an ailing parent or family member, uh, how many of your legs would continue to grow without you? And Gordon's answer to that question is 12, which is remarkable. Most, I mean, you could interview hundreds of network marketing leaders that do millions a month in business and ask them how many leadership legs they have, and they would tell you somewhere between three and five. Twelve is, is remarkable. Gordon, do you have any idea how many people in seven years you've personally sponsored? Is it is it less than 100, over 100? It's less than 100. Yeah, so that's a really a remarkable statistic, which speaks to what you were talking about, Gordon, your, your business structure, your coaching, your leadership, really treating the business like, in many respects, a corporation would treat launching a new business and um congratulations on that that's uh that's amazing would you tell you us you know what's quite interesting rich sorry to butt in um but this isn't unusual um in the U- in my in the uk business so in my success line in the different national vice president's legs not just in my own but and then in the overall my overall success line the leaders who are at the same level as me um all have leadership legs that are direct to them and they're wide. So the the coaching and the training that we do, it works really well. And it's I find it really, really interesting that we have so many direct consultants. So my first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, all those generations are all like first gen to each level and they're all seeing um, success. And I think, I think that's quite unusual because often what you see is maybe someone from seven or eight, nine leg uh, uh, generations down coming up. Um, we don't see that in the UK. Um, because of the, how strong our training is, we've got everyone is really having a fair crack at the whip and seeing a, a, a good level of success. The ones that are staying with it are anyway. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, it just goes to show you what's possible. Would you tell us, Gordon, tell us two or three stories about people that you prospected that ended up enrolling, that ended up being extraordinary leaders for you. Who were they? 
how did you know them or meet them? What did they do for a living? What was their initial response to your approach? And what eventually or immediately compelled them to join you? Okay. Um, well, one of my um, first uh, leaders um, is uh, National Vice President Gail Longhurst, who actually went nation this month, which is really good. She's now at the top level. And um, her background is in cancer and lymphedema care. So she has her own clinic, a practice, uh, working with cancer uh, patients. And I, I actually knew of her reputation um, within the area that I live. Now, when I started my business, I had no products background um, at all. Other than using products, having a shave, I had, um, you know, washing myself, I had no kind of um, background in personal care. Like, and, and as you kind of alluded to at the start of the conversation, um, Arbonne is a, a health and wellness company, but um, before the new nutritionals came in, was was very much more weighted towards the skincare um, side of things and, uh, and beauty. And um, this was an, um, an arena that I had um, little knowledge so when I was pulling together my team, I knew that I needed someone credible who was going to fill that space because it certain, I, had credible, I was credible from a business point of view, but not from a product's point of view. So I was actively looking for someone who could have that role because I was putting together um, uh, an organization with people with different skills who, when all knitted together, were able to create a community of people who were um, adding value to each other. Um, so I was looking for someone who had knowledge in, in skin care or reputation. And um, this lady had um, reputation not only in working with uh, uh, people who had cancer with the lymphedema, but, and she was working with private hospitals. But specifically before that, she was working with a very luxurious, high-end department store type product. Which, uh, where, which would be similar in terms of product placement to, to Arbonne. So um, I was really keen to have a conversation with her about her joining my business. So I invited her to a business opportunity presentation, and um, she came along, and um, I showed her the products. She heard the business opportunity, and um, she couldn't believe the price point of the products when she looked at the ingredients that were in them. And so she had to get her hands on them to try them. And um, with her background, she was able to compare them to what uh, her knowledge was within the industry and knew that from a product point of view, she was on to something. But she was also looking for, I didn't know, um, she was also looking for a way to create additional income because she, had, she was, as a business owner, she was a one-man band. So... Um, she, she, she was very much hands-on. So lymphedema is manual. Um, it's like a massage, like, almost like a type of massage where you're manipulating the lymph glands to um, remove fluid from the body. So you're, you're physically hands-on. So she had no staff. She was it. She was a business. So if she was ill, she couldn't create any income. And, um, and she was aware of that. And she was also kind of um, uh, maxed out in terms of the time that she had in her business, you know, there's only 24 hours in a day, and if she wasn't, she was working as much as she could. She was also a single parent, and she was the the the, the main. She was the the breadwinner for the fa for the family. 
So she was maxed out on the time that she had. She had a young daughter and was looking for more money so she could create additional income that would allow her more choices for her family. And her daughter was coming up to the age where she was able to go, would want to go to to um, secondary school or you know, like a, a, maybe a private school, but there was no money for that to happen. So it was kind of like good timing that she was looking for um, an answer to her problem, and I came along with the product that that kind of made sense to her, but with an opportunity for her to um, leverage her time because she was looking for. Um, a way to uh, create, to get into a leverage profit system um, because she was t- restricted from with, with time and space. So she was looking for a way to change her financial circumstances. circumstances. Um, she was also, um, her demograph would be what we would call in the UK ABC1 householder. So she was a little middle, uh, I guess what we call the middle market. So the types of products she would use would be an Arbonne-type product, and her network was also in that middle market. So it made sense from a product point of view, from a business point of view, and uh, from a financial point of view, and a solution to her, her issues with, uh, with her daughter. Um, and that, that was really it. It was, just, uh, it was the right opportunity at the right time for her at that, uh, in her life. Uh, would she be categorized as somebody that got right in and took off? Well, she I uh, this, she got in straight away, but didn't go um, like a bat out of hell because again she's working full time. So the, this is a common kind of thread that runs through my organisation. Is most people in my business are either working full time, have their own business, have a lot of family commitments, and are working their businesses part time or in the nooks and crannies of the time that they've got. So um, it took her a little bit longer. So she's been in the business maybe six years, maybe. So it's taken her six years to get to the top of the company, whereas it took me 18 months. Got it. That's um, Okay, beautiful. Tell me about somebody else. Um, I've got... Um, and this is an old friend of mine, um, and uh, her name is uh, Amina Gianfrancesco. And she, um, I've worked with her for years. Um, she gave me um, my first job in advertising sales. And, I, uh, and then she gave me, headhunted me into McAfee. So um, we have a history um, in corporate. And when I offered her this business, um, right off the bat, she said no. Because you know she, she was um, already very successful in her career as a director um, in a Fortune 500 company, and um, you know was had the, very much had the golden handcuffs, and um, you know was flying around Europe doing her job, and um, I came along. Um, I wasn't even I don't even think I was at the first level when I offered her it. So um, when you when you're when I was talking to even though I had a big vision. Um, I, I wasn't. I didn't have any evidence at that point, other than my vision. And compelling as it might be for some people, it wasn't for her. So she said no for me, to me for 12 months. Um, but in that 12 month period, um, because because we were friends, we were meeting up, you know, fairly regularly for lunch and stuff. You know, I'd be asking her what she was up to, and I and she'd be asking what I was up to. 
And now because I, although I came from a corporate background, I hadn't, I didn't have a management position, so I didn't have a team of people that I worked, that I, I, I managed. So um, I, I felt that I needed some sort of coaching in actually supporting um, large organizations. And because she was a friend of mine, I thought, well, it'd be, it'd be great if um, I could ask her um, questions that where I felt I was lacking um, in, in my own personal development. So when we were meeting up regularly and she was asking me about the business, I'd be saying, well, it's going really well, but this is, I have some, some concerns. I've got some challenges here. Maybe you could tell me from your experience the best way to go around about uh, solving this particular issue. So she was kind of getting involved um, in my business, but via the back door, in a sense. No, I, I was that, never thinking. That, that the advice approach. Is that, what, is that what it is? Well, certainly. Well, that's what it was. So she was she was um, very much connected to it from that point of view. So she was beginning to see my my success curve, but was still saying no. Um, but I did know that she had some lofty goals and um, did want to make an impact on the world, and had a goal to um, create um, a, a charity to help orphans, um, particularly in Africa. And um, I remember uh, sitting down with her one day and I'm saying, so how's this um, charity goal going for you? Are you doing well with that when you're working full time? And she, and she, she said, well, no. And I said, so how important is that to you? You know, is that a real goal that you want to impact in the world or is it just a pipe dream? And it was from that that the conversation really started getting uh, more um, focused on finding a way to actually create um, and achieve our personal desires in the sense of the goals that we want to achieve when we're not at work. And so in doing so, we started talking about, you know, her family and, you know, having such a, a high-powered career. Um, she was getting up bef before her son was getting up, so she was at work before he got out of bed. He was home in bed when she got back from work and often only saw them at the weekends. So I said, so how is that working out for you? Is that the kind of family life that you want? And it was through having those conversations, those big chats, that we were able to really discuss how a solution to those problems could be in network marketing. And so I eventually, over that period of time, I invited her to an opportunity presentation that I was doing locally. And she came along, and you know, I think I was at the third level, the regional vice president level, so I had the Mercedes-Benz. And she came along, and there's a fair amount of people, maybe about 100 or something like that. She said, who are all these people? And I said, it's my team. And when she realized what, what, was, what was happening, and she saw the profile of the people that were in the, in the room, she realized that this could be something that she could do. And, um, and then that's when we discussed it. So it was really 12 months on. So uh, she wasn't an immediate yes, um, but she certainly was. So the, the common thread is that these are three, um, sorry, two, two mothers that I've spoken about who have come in for um, similar reasons but from different backgrounds. Yeah. Well, this, I, I imagine, Gordon, you, you could go for hours telling us stories of the people that uh, you've involved and very artful, I have to say. Um, I'm inspired with the art that you have mastered of supporting people and 
people to be where they are and go through whatever process they need to go through and honoring them and romancing them along the way with uh, with a servant's attitude and great patience. So let me change um, directions here as we wrap this call up and uh, ask you this. What is the biggest mistake that you feel like you've made in the last seven years? You either made it once or you've made it repetitively. And uh, this would be a mistake that uh, cost you credibility, cost you income, cost you momentum, cost you anything in the business. What's the biggest faux pas? Strategically um, or even something you said or something you did or a strategy you employed or... Um, the biggest issue I've had in my career generally and including in Arbonne, the biggest uh, issue I've ever had has been me. So... Um, I have a I have had a history of getting to a certain level of success and then knowing that the next step was going to be the one that was going to change my life and then somehow managed to self-sabotage myself by not thinking um I was good enough for for uh, whatever it was that was around the corner or in front of me and um I've seen that pattern and was compelled and helpless to do anything about it in the, in my, the past jobs I've had, even though I was very successful in my, pa- in, in my past corporate career. But in specifically how this relates to um, my network marketing experience was I did get into momentum very quickly, so, and, and I moved through the levels um, at pace and um, I had like a, a text, um, I was going through the compensation plan like textbook and I got to the third level, into qualification for the third level, I think within four months of starting the business and I was riding the momentum and it was in that, that, that time frame, that period that I actually lost my nerve um, and I took my foot off the momentum, uh, and, it was, and it was really because I got myself, I got in my own way, and I started overthinking the business, and I started making it complicated for myself, and um, I fell out of qualification for the car, and I really had a meltdown, um, and really it was because um, the, 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 what, the, the potential successes in network marketing I know I've got a small business compared to some of the incredible people that you've interviewed um, over the past few years, and it's a great honor to be on this call because I know I'm, I'm a fairly uh, a, a youngster in that respect. But the incomes in network marketing are leg- legendary. And if you're in momentum and you have big, go- lo- big lofty goals and you do want to impact in the world and you do care for people, and you do want the best for them, and you do want to succeed, and you want to see them succeed, and you want your company to succeed, to succeed etc. You know, the, the, the potential is enormous. And sometimes when you know you're in momentum and you're on your way there, it can become too much. 
And I think in that that split second, I didn't feel I was worth it. And I basically dropped the ball and the momentum dropped. And I had to really figure out what it was I was doing with myself. And I know the less baggage you have in this business, the further you go. And I've been a great believer in personal development. And if I don't have the skills and I don't feel I have the, if I don't have the, um, the history or I can't pull upon any experience to get what I want, I need to learn it. Or I need to go somewhere and, and find out what I have to, to know to move myself to the next level. And that's what I did. I basically had a sat, I sat down myself. I had a good conversation with myself in the mirror. And I, just, I started working on what was holding me back. What was the issue that was stopping me from moving forward? Because I knew if I was able to break through whatever was holding me back, everything that I ever wanted could come true because this business would be the thing that would provide it for me. And that was the very thing that was holding me back. So um, I went into, I started reading lots and lots more books, um, books that would help me develop myself. I went to, I looked for help outside of myself because I, I knew that I couldn't solve my current issues with my own thinking. I, also, I had to think differently to solve the problem and be bigger than my problem or my challenges. And um, so I did. I went into overdrive in terms of finding a solution. And I made a decision that I wasn't going to repeat my, my um, past um, faux pas. I, was, I made a decision that I was, this time was going to be different. I was going to break through. I was going to find the solution to the issue that I had. And, it, it, and I wasn't going to get my own way. And, and that's ultimately what I did. So I invested into myself in a big way. And I got back on the horse. And I blasted through the third level um, the next month. So personal development, reading, audios, and um, third-party advice was, was what I took. Um, and, and motivational stories, reaching out to sidelines, uplines, who um, maybe had a similar experience. I pulled upon all that information, and it really kind of um, held me together. And I, with my team, we all pulled together and drove through. And so um, the biggest issue I've ever had has been getting in my own way. I got it. I think I wrote a book about that one time. Uh, and if you think about it, uh, everybody on the call, just what Gordon's talking about is so important. And you may be listening to his story and thinking, well, you know, I'll cross that bridge about whether I'm worthy of $100,000 a month when I get to it. But actually, you could arrive at that that uh, issue much earlier than 100,000 a month you could arrive at it at 5,000 a month or 10,000 a month because if you think about the setup of network marketing compared to the paradigm of what we've been taught culturally about what we're worth in the marketplace expressed in income uh, you know it's it's about 2% of the population make $100,000 a year or more and if, you know, you get in this little part-time business and you get excited and you start recruiting some people and all of a sudden you're making $5,000 a month on a part-time basis, um, you, can, you can very quickly 
get up to a point where your income exceeds your expectations, your your sense of worth about what you're doing to earn that money. It's 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 kind of crazy because in network marketing you can spend so much time in the first year or two getting paid far less than you think you're worth. And when the tipping point comes and momentum kicks in and geometric progressions kick in, you can get paid far more than you think you're worth, and you can get paid that for eternity. And so personal development is so important so that you don't end up sabotaging your own results. And, you know, the, the question is, you know, are, is somebody worth 20000 a month on a part-time basis for just dabbling with a product and getting some people involved? And, you know, there's lots of different ways to look at that question, but if as a result of your courage, if as a result of your work, your networking, you're promoting a product and opportunity, people join the business, people become customers, and you generate a million dollars a month worth of business. The, 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 the math itself says to your network marketing company, you're worth that $10,000 or $20,000 a month that they're paying you. Getting the revenue you brought the company is worth it. That's the rationale for why you're worth it. But the work that Gordon's talking about is actually convincing yourself that that child, that petulant child inside of you is worth that kind of abundance. One of my coaches once asked me, and I had no idea I had to go, took me a couple of weeks to figure it out, asked me how much money I had spent in my career on personal development. And this was at least... 15 years ago, so it would be almost uh, about less than 20 years in my career. And when when she said personal development, what she meant was outside of the network marketing discipline, so pure belief building, self-esteem, leadership and character development, seminars, coaches, retreats, etc. And I had spent a quarter of a million dollars on that type of, of transformational work, which sounds like a fortune until you realize the return on investment in network marketing makes it the best investment you've ever made. So I appreciate that. Uh, You're the first person who's ever articulated that as their biggest mistake, Gordon. Beautiful insight there. Now I'm going to ask you the flip side of it, uh, and we need to be brief because we're running out of time. What's the smartest thing you've ever done? Um, the smartest thing I ever did was put in structure immediately. So, Business, um, structure, to, coaching, leadership, training, structure. Yeah. Right. So specifically, um, putting in a, a structure for training, um, and a, a way to articulate the opportunity. Um, so when, when I started, um, how their business was typically, sorry, typically shared with someone standing at the front of the room and just talking. And I didn't, because I had no knowledge 
and no experience and, and, and no time in the business, I kind of was finding it difficult remembering all the different aspects of, of the, the business to share. So um, I, de- I decided to, first of all, create um, a tool that would be able to that everyone would be able to duplicate and share. So basically, I created a presentation which had a beginning, a middle, and an end, and shared um, the specific requirements and answered all the questions that people would have about network marketing, about the company, and how to how it worked in the industry, um, the timing and trends, etc., etc., etc. So I basically created a PowerPoint presentation that I duplicated into the organization, and then I created a structure for training opportunities, um, uh, uh, training calls, physical trainings, and um, put them in place um, really within my first couple of weeks. So uh, really kind of duplicating the corporate structure within um, my network marketing company. Yeah. Yeah, got it. Okay, uh, let me ask you in wrap-up, I know uh, Arbonne or a group of leaders in Arbonne has a custom edition of the four-year career, and you've been a strong proponent of using that book. Tell people quickly how you have used it to support your team and build your business. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a great tool to have um, in respect. Well, it's a great tool. Uh, everyone should, re- should read it. But in terms of how to use it in your business, um, I, I believe that we should really have tools doing our, our talking as much as possible. And so um, I personally love doing my business in a one-on-one approach. So um, when I'm having a conversation with somebody about the network marketing industry, the opportunity, and sharing the products at the same time, um, when they go home with the products to try, to, to sample, I'll typically give them the four-year career private edition um, along with my um, personal um, eye on Arbonne story, which is basically my profile uh, within the company. Um, I'll put in a couple of other people's as well, which relates to the industry or the background of the person I'm speaking to. Um, the com- our own company catalog um, with products, prices, etc. And, um, of course, the sample the products themselves. So uh, that's what I give them, and I ask them to, to read the four-year career. And then I get it back off of them when I when I uh, collect the um, the samples. Okay, so it's, it's essential, I think. I believe. Yeah. Thanks, Gordon. So, Gordon, in wrapping up here, let's say we got one minute. If if the people listening on this call could only hear one more thing, and then they were shut off from ever having any more training or inspiration. And what this one thing is that they're going to hear from you has to make the difference for them, has to kick them into belief and action and conviction and an expectation of inevitability about their success and seeing what they're doing as service. What would you say to them in one minute that would make their career? Make their career better. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I um, I, I'm in love with my life, and I'm in love with my future life. And if you can uh, really go uh, vision cast what it is you want to achieve, no matter where you are right now, for the better. If you can see it in technical, or f- feel it, smell it, 
taste to see it, roll around in it. If you have that 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 capacity to visualize your 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 potential, then really hang on to that and do that on a daily basis. You know, multiple times per day to really create that energy and momentum within yourself to actually want to talk about your opportunity that you've got. Um, I also believe that falling in love with your company is a very good idea. And um, for me, that was very, very easy to do. Um, falling in love with, uh, with, the, with the leadership that had gone before me in my company, I went out to, I, I sought out the top income earners um, in Arbonne uh, to read their stories and get inspiration from them. And I uh, wanted to almost let through osmosis um, be like them. So I, wherever they were, which was kind of difficult in the, when I'm in the UK and they are in the US, but any opportunity I have to be round about successful people um, who are successful in my company, I make a beeline to be round about them so I can like, have any little tidbit that they throw off of the table. So um, clear my intentions, um, always reassessing my goals, always changing them. Um, always focused and committed to other people. I feel that if you can be committed to other people's success, you'll get your success um, as a reward of helping them get theirs. So um, recommitting to the people in your organization, recommitting to your own goals, um, manifesting energy if you don't have it, um, consistent personal development, and um, falling in love with your company, your product, and your future. Yeah, those are beautiful words, Gordon Frazier. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you for staying up till three o'clock in the morning and sharing <laughs> your incredible story with uh, these people who are on live. But I think uh, the legacy of your story, at least on this recording, you know, lives on for, as you know, people will be listening to stuff like this a year from now, even 10 years from now. And uh, it will be fascinating to see Gordon uh, how your story evolves with your leadership and your vision and your commitment to your team and your gratitude to your team, which you have expressed over and over to me, your humility. It's very exciting to see where you and your group will be five or ten years from now. Really, really inspiring. So thank you for joining us tonight, and uh, we'll see you on the flip side somewhere. I'm sure. Thank you so much, Richard, for the opportunity. I appreciate it. And I feel I haven't even broken a sweat yet. Yeah, I believe that. I totally believe that. So we have a lot to look forward to. I'm Thank excited. You, I love this. Yeah. This is the best thing that's ever happened to me. I love it. <laughs> Can't wait to see all of my team at the top of the business as well. That's the most exciting part. For sure. Thank you, sir. Get some sleep. I, well, are you kidding? I'm all jacked up now. <laughs> I'm going to call it... I'm going to call Australia. Do a webinar. (laughs) Yeah, Australia's getting up. I'm going to ring them. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Good night. Take care. Good night. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Richard Bliss Brooks Network Marketing Heroes Podcast. For more invaluable training tools, such as audios, videos, and, of course, his best-selling books, The Four-Year Career, and Mach 2 with Your Hair on Fire, head to blissbusiness.com. For 10% off your order, use discount code HERO at checkout. If you're serious about building your business, make sure to subscribe to Richard's blog for all the latest tools and articles.